I, I was committed to that aspect, so I went to every college that had writing. Like, I wasn't going to go to the Harvard Medical School. <laughs> like, they were not going to take me. I, I was very laser focused. Um, which is good. I think I was very fortunate to have a dream. I feel like not everyone knows what they want to do super early, which is fine. Like, find what your passion is whenever you find it. You know, I was fortunate enough to find it early enough to just be single-minded and aggressive about it. But also, I think try things. Like, try different things. You know, try and fail at things. I did that too. <laughs> Welcome. To review in progress, the podcast that uses open-ended conversations to discuss and dissect the creative process with people across all art forms. I'm your host, Kyle Colorado. On this week's episode, we have author Afia Takara, who just released her debut novel, Conjure Women, in April of 2020. We discuss releasing a book during the pandemic and how that might not live up to every expectation you have as an author. We discussed the writing process and how important it can be to actually walk away from the work, which will then allow you to continue the work when you come back. We also talk about working with an editor as a collaborator and also being focused on your dream, but still allowing yourself some time and space to try different things. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, guys. Thank you for coming back to this silly little podcast that I like to call Review in Progress. Uh, it's not going to be a long intro today, I will say. Um, this is the part of the show where I like to kind of give you an update on where I'm at creatively. I will say very much in the same spot where I was last week. I've been, I just haven't been able to put a lot of work uh, due to just some, you know, forces out of my control and then some totally within my control I just haven't had that kind of motivation but what I found this week is that I'm not so worried about it um, I think I'm going to be in a much better spot actually as soon as I'm done recording this I will be in a new apartment because the apartment that is above me will be cleared out and then me and Grace will be moving up there we'll be actually in more than just the one studio bedroom apartment that we've been kind of living in so I'll be in a much different space. It'll be a much more conducive environment for create for creating, and I'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks you'll start to see me do a little bit more. But, you know, I'm going to get back out there, do some more mics. Um, I've been on a couple of, of shows, like in terms of like podcast shows. Um, if you want to check me out in terms of that, like the last episode I had um, with my good friend Andrea Pranzata, uh, Pranzatelli, sorry, uh, that's <laughs> that's her actual last name. Her YouTube name is Pranzata. Um, the last episode, if you want to check out the video version of the last podcast, she has it on her website. So if you go back to her um, episode and find her YouTube page in the links in the show notes, you'll be able to find my episode because her most recent upload. And if not, I will just put it in my show notes, you know, for this episode, just as a little, just to find out. Also, on Friday, I was on my uh, good friend, comedian colleague, Victoria Scaplin's Instagram live show, Tea Time with Victoria. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. 
Um, it was a fun time. It was a good time. I will say I had a, like a whole mic setup that I was going to use. Like I had a whole little like, like, like just like, oh, I had my, I had like a tripod for my iPhone and I had headphones and I had a mic that was connected to my iPhone. So it would have really good sound quality. And then, uh, best laid plans, uh, don't always come to pass as I found out and it just didn't work. So if you see me with a mic and headphones are on my head or around my neck and like, why does it still sound like he's talking through a phone? It just didn't work for whatever reason, which was annoying. Um, but again, I want to I, I wanna say thank you to the people who have been listening to the show. I really appreciate it. Um, if we can help, you know, make it grow, that would be great. I really want people, I've been talking to a lot of people about this show. And really the goal of this show is to get people aware of what the creative process is. So if anyone, if you think someone who wants to do anything creative, I, I really think this podcast is a great way to kind of discuss the creative process, either, you know, not just for writing or music or comedy. It's a little bit of everything. So I, if, if you can just like share this episode with someone, especially this particular episode that I'm going to intro in a second, you know, for anyone who is like thinking about writing a book, it's not a bad way to do it. You know, that's not a bad episode to talk about, but I think any episode that I have with anyone who's creative can take away something about the creative process that they can then apply to their own. So if you could just share this with anyone, I would really appreciate it. If not, honestly, I'm not going to yell at you. You live your life, but I appreciate it one way or the other. Thank you for listening. So like I said in this episode, I have my, I will say my wife's best friend, Afia Atakara. Yes, uh, that is how I got a debut author's novel, like, right after it came out. Well, not right after, but within the same year. That's how I got her on the podcast. It was uh, pure nepotism. It was it was because I knew her. It was someone who, after I had put out my first three episodes, I was thinking of, like, people who I could reach out. And I was like, wow, I have someone who, like, published a book through Penguin House, Pe- Penguin, like, Random House, and you could... You know, I I had access to her, which was a very silly thought of mine to be like, oh, why didn't I think of her in my first three? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not always the most observant of people. But, yeah, we had a really good conversation. This was my first one that I did over the Internet, and I think it actually went pretty well. The sound quality is phenomenal because there's no cross bleed. So as on an audio standpoint, that was great. But. As a content, I still think we did exactly what we wanted to do, you know, that I set out for this podcast, which is just a conversation about creativity and kind of all that, you know, every point that kind of encompasses it. And I think we did a good job on this episode. Um, It's, uh, you know, we talk about a lot. We talk, you know, because she's a writer and I'm a writer, but we have different art forms you know, there's a lot of uh, crossover and you can hear me kind of get real excited to be like, oh, this kind of reminds me of what I do, you know, with what you do. And I think it's a very interesting talk. Um, if you if you want, I will say I just finished her debut novel, Conjure Woman, and whoo, it's a book, guys. Like, it is a great book. Um, some people, you know, my research, I was looking up some reviews. Some people say the first 80 pages are... You know, you just kind of have to read, which I don't agree with, but I I just want to give you that as a a disclaimer, I suppose. If you expect it to be really fast, it does take its time. 
setting up the world. And I think it's all the more important that you actually have all that information before the story, quote unquote, starts in, you know, but I don't I, I, I don't agree with that. I just wanted to give you that it's it's a book that moves, I would say, deliberately at first and then picks up the pace as the pages go on. I will say it is a very wonderful book. I really like the um, narrative structure that she uses. Uh, we discuss a little bit of that. Um, it kind of takes you, the way that I describe it is that it takes you through um, one woman's life from like her mid-20s, early 20s, 20s, depending if I got my, you know, if I remember exactly when, and then that takes her through her life, but then you start to see the time frames before it to kind of give context to what you just read, and then what is about to happen. So it's a very, the the narrative structure is very interesting. I I really like it a lot. And if you, I, I, I downloaded it on audiobook, um, Grace and I, we have a copy of the physical that I started to read, but as this week went on, it, I was more on the road doing some work, so I had to do a little bit more of the audiobook. But I will say, I, either either option, if you read it on a hard copy, a Kindle, or you listen to an audiobook, it's, it is a wonderful novel. It is um, based in Reconstruction Era, uh, American South, and... Yeah, I, I can't sing high enough praises for it. In fact, before we even get into this episode, um, Afia actually had a, a reading uh, because her book was chosen for the Barnes & Noble Book Club of the Month, I believe for the month of May or April when it came out. I can't quite remember. I'm, I'm going to say April because that's when the book, that's when the video came out. And she, she's and in, in the clip that I'm going to play for you, she's going to read a section of the novel very early on pretty much the first chapter if i remember correctly and um so we're going to listen to afia reading a little selection from her book and then we're going to get right into the episode guys i thank you so much for listening and uh, i hope you enjoy thank you it wasn't unusual for the babies to come still wearing the veil it means good luck rue would be quick to tell the mamas when they saw the extra skin wrapped around their baby's heads looking as final as a shroud. In a moment, she could wipe it away and the healthy whale would fight back the unsaid fright in the mama's eyes that from her womb had come something unexpected, something unnatural. Being made Rue's heart jump in absolute horror of him. She felt then that she knew him for what he was, a secret retribution for a long-ago crime, the punishment she had been dreading. He was fighting, his arms moving inside that black wrapping like he was swimming, or more like drowning. She had never seen a baby so fully encased in the call. Rue forced herself to drop the scissors she'd heated in preparation to cut the cord. She held them near the baby's mouth. Sarah had not moved at all from her position, braced against the sheets. He come dead, Sarah said, straining to hear the telltale cry. Rue might have said yes, the black thing curling and quivering in her palms stayed gasping. It could not break through the veil without her intervention. She might have left it to struggle or smother it in its own black sheet. Oh, Miss Rue, Sarah started moaning, squinting her eyes hard to get a look at the bundle. Don't say he dead. A snip. That's all it took and Rue did it. A snip beneath the little nose and then slowly, 
Like peeling back the skin of a strange fruit, she shucked Bean of his dark veil and revealed him to the world. He began, finally, to cry. Congrats on being an uncle, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. The that cutest. Oh, we we did it. I mean, she did it. I had zero you know, input on the whole process. I'm sure you helped a little bit. I mean, she's in <laughs> Ireland, so no, not at all. <laughs> You didn't actually uh, perform the birth. No, 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 no. I was, I was there. I don't even know if I was there in spirit. I mean, I guess I was, but, <laughs> but yeah, no. She, um, she's a little. She's got a little baby now. She's, uh, what did she say? Oh, I said, uh, because I didn't immediately. Because I'm, I forget. I didn't immediately say like, congratulations to like a day and a half later. And I was like, Oh, Jesus. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm already being a bad uncle. So I was like, Oh, <laughs> congratulations. Long may she reign, you know, just as a joke. <laughs> and she's like, she's already ruling, ruling with an iron fist over our uh, sleep schedule right now. So I love it. <laughs> well, one of our friends had a kid and Sean goes, good luck. And I'm like, you can't say that. <laughs> That's not what you say. You say, congratulations. Yes. The, the it's first, adorable. The first word is congrats. You have to get off the bat with congratulations. You can't just start off with, best of luck to you on that one. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Yeah. So I was like, all right, guess I won't see you anymore. <laughs> um, so uh how's uh, how's your experience with uh i guess with if we're talking about birth and your book like how's the whole uh releasing your book experience been so far um ridiculous <laughs> so as a first time <laughs> book mom yeah <laughs> i had expectations um that i was gonna be like this awesome writer who's like gonna go on book tours and like wear my cool clothes and drink wine and <laughs> it just turns out that i'm in my pajamas in my house talking to people on a screen <laughs> all the time yeah well so i just was, feel like it's what were your expectations for i i feel like they were mixed because you gotta hope right so i was hoping that you know it'd be well received and i get to go to all these bookstores and do events and I'm a social creature. So yeah. Unlike yeah. I think most writers, I was, I was looking forward to the part of meeting my yeah. adoring public. Of course. I mean, I know you're a social cre- I mean, I've you seen know. you. I've seen. You've, <laughs> you've seen me yeah, creature. Right. <laughs> yes. So um, that the, <laughs> it, you are very social. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, um, the uh, the whole idea of just like releasing it and it just so happened to be in a time where now everything is virtual. I mean, this is my first virtual uh, interview that I'm doing or recording, I should say that mm-hmm. it has. I mean, most of your stuff has been virtual. I, I was even while I was doing your research, I didn't even realize that the Woodbridge Public Library has a virtual uh, event that you're coming up, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. I used to work there. So that's nuts. Yeah, that's how full is, circle. Yeah, I was going to say, that. how is that as like a full circle moment that you went from a librarian assistant there, senior library assistant, if I remember correctly? Senior librarian assistant, yep. yeah. And now <laughs> and now you're, uh, you're, you're, you're filling the halls of the library with content, you know, in the form of a book, but, you know. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. It's strange, but, I mean, I haven't done it yet. Um It'll be nice, I think. I wanted to see everyone in person. See, that's another thing. You want to kind of be around people and and interact, and that's not the case. So we'll see how this virtual thing goes, because I don't know how anyone does these virtual things, and I feel like it's always a little bit of a guessing game for everybody. 
Yeah, you'll actually have time to actually put on makeup as opposed to me trying to get you. Exactly. Just trying to get you just to squeeze in a quick little like, hey, by the way, let's let's put on video, even though it's like 30 minutes before we're supposed to record. It can't be done. See, no. I sleep during the day, so I've been awake for maybe an hour. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, you said you've turned nocturnal in, in our text message trying to get this set up. What? Well, I, I guess, I mean, releasing a book, obviously now you're more in – an, an author than opposed to like you know, a nine to five person has that was that like a process that was starting prior to the whole thing or was it you know yeah so right now I'm working on my second book um it's in the first draft stage and so I'm realizing that this is my habit is to just sleep for like four hours and then like write for four hours and then get depressed and go back to sleep um, so that is my, my schedule. Wow. I feel as someone who only does, you know, short bit for com comedy writing, I totally understand that. Like writing for a couple of hours, getting real depressed over what you just wrote. And then being like, I'm going to walk away from this. It's very tiring. Yeah. So I just get, I get in that loop and I do that yeah, over even, and over again. Even getting some of these like questions I wanted, I was having such a hard time. I got there two, and I was like, man, this is really tough because I had like a bunch of different thoughts. I don't know if this is if this relates to you whatsoever. I had a bunch of different thoughts. I just didn't know which one to write down first or how I wanted to structure it. Absolutely. And then, and then I was like, you know what? I had to go do some things. I had to go drop off our mail in ballots. And so I drove and it just gave me that bit of clarity. And then I was able to write back and just like speed write the rest of it down. Does that relate to you at all I, absolutely i have to like change rooms i have to sit in different positions i have to <laughs> stop and have a coffee or a wine or yeah no it, it's that is that's a that's a very interesting point where i i've noticed and it's been really hard because a lot of my writing has been just in this small little studio apartment that we're currently in that it's hard sometimes when you're stuck in one spot you actually have to physically move and do things so even as a book you're just not I think that's something people don't realize when it comes to at least the writing aspect that I've noticed is that you can't just stay in one physical space. Like you actually have to move and it's not a continuous uh, just marathon of writing. It's a lot of starts and like pauses and, you know, hiccups. Yeah. I mean, I've heard about those writers who just sit down and like bang out a thousand words like at first thing in the morning. Um, I am not one of them. I'm absolutely <laughs> like... It is a painful process. I'm like, should I use a comma? Should I use a hyphen? Let me walk away. Oh man, that's like, that not is the process over and over again. That's not even an issue when it because my my writing is more performative, more like this is right. what I'm going to say. So I think about pauses, maybe like mm -hmm. ending a sentence, but not so much like, oh, should I use a comma? Like that that is adding a whole new level of just complexity to an already fraught process that I have. That would be. Be too it's much <laughs> bananas and i think it's crazy the amount of work that goes into like any sort of writing but just say i'm writing a book it probably takes someone what 10 hours to read because i write really big books it turns out <laughs> um but it takes me how many months how many years to write it like i'm sure it's the same for comedy where you're like people are going to be listening to this for 10 minutes and it takes you how long to like just come up with these concepts to come up with the concepts and then um i don't know when it comes to book writing again i'm coming from a very singular point of view but the editing process of for for comedy it's like saying the most amount of meaning in the least amount of words because mm. 
it's reading comprehension and listening comprehension are two separate things. So you want to make sure that you're being understood. Now for you, do you have, when it comes to editing, do you feel like you're adding more or do you feel like you're like actually taking less away or a combo of both? Um, probably a combo of both. I think usually for me, it's taking things away because it, again, it turns out that I overwrite. Um, I had that problem with Conjure Women. It was like 500 pages and my editor is like, this is all great, but most of it needs to go away. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you got um, it. You chopped it down to about a 400 page book. If I yeah, which was already too much, but, <laughs> but yeah, so it's very much just a process of of reining yourself in and, and figuring out what communicates the most. Yeah. I, I think that's probably similar. Figuring out how to communicate with other people is a big part of <laughs> entertainment. Yes. <laughs> yes. But you also don't want to cut down too much where you feel like you're I don't losing know, the. Thank you. Yeah. Losing yeah. it. That's losing it. <laughs> <laughs> losing it. Just losing mm-hmm. that part, what you wanted to get out just for the sake of, communicating clearly i don't know sometimes you feel like you you, for for jokes sometimes you're like oh if you just like remove this aspect it'll be clear but it's like i don't know i feel like the message is being muddled if i don't it's diluted yeah and so there's there's that whole like art versus entertainment in that sense that you know especially as a comedian because we have the we have an audience right in front of us as we're like hey this is the first time anyone's hearing this right now i'm saying it for the first time and now with now with books uh, you have uh kind of like an editor as like a collaborator right right yeah yeah so, so that would be um in the sense of a um like my audience, well, my audience. Well, let's first also reel that back. It's not my audience. It's the audience <laughs> I get. I get to perform in front of. I, I don't want to come off. All you high don't and, own them. I do not own them. Whatsoever. You only borrow them. I borrow best. them. That is correct. That is one hundred percent correct. Um, but with an editor, they're they're at least a little bit more knowledgeable and can kind of conclusively explain what they're talking about when it comes to an comedy audience you have to kind of go off what they're laughing at and what instinctually you think they're laughing at right and so i'm wondering using an editor what well, i i'm trying trying to form my question the best way um so using an editor it, do you how about this do you like the process of using an editor as like a as a kind of a collaborator on your work or i don't want you to throw your editor under the bus my by the way but <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I really do love it. I think I mean one thing with editors is they have sort of a, a more business mindset. I mean, they are coming from a world of publishing and marketing and uh publicity and all that. That's all in their heads where I'm just a weirdo in a room <laughs> just hoping someone will pay me. They kind of have a grasp on all those things. Um so that's useful just to have like a an advocate in that sense. Um, but also they just have a certain distance that I think, I think as a writer, you can't get, cause again, you're thinking of the commas, you're thinking of like, does this sentence rhyme with the last sentence I wrote or not? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Does this, you know, you're so mired in all of it that, that just to have someone who's just like at a distance and capable of saying, okay, this is what you're doing. This is what you're not doing. This is what you could do is, so essential. And I think a lot of editors don't 
edit air quotes no one mm-hmm. can see me um is you know the going phrase in publishing is that editors don't edit anymore so i feel like i'm very fortunate to have an editor who is very hands-on and very sort of willing to work with me and and help me get to what i want to say and not what she thinks needs to be said or oh that's good you want any of the sort yeah yeah you have someone who's like okay i see what you, you you want and i'm going to be your best advocate to make sure that it is the best possible version for people to uh, purchase uh, in terms of like the publishing and then what people will enjoy once it gets to the end product of the book. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, that's, that's something that I wouldn't, I would never think of as someone who would never, you know, wasn't the case of writing a book ever in my mind. But you, I mean, in my research, you, you knew early on, you actually wanted to be a writer five or six years old being dropped off at, I'm a Woodbridge library. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Woodbridge library right down the road from where I'm, we're, we're both currently at really. Um, and I was, so was the editing process for that? Was, was that your first time working with an editor? Um, like in a professional capacity, I know you went to school obviously NYU and then to Columbia. What was that like? Uh, what did that live up to any of your expectations as like a kid or even as you grew up and knew what writing actually you know, took place. Yeah, I think there's, well, my preconceived notion was that editors are scary, that they're going to yell at you and (laughs) be on you about deadlines and and be really mean and be like, this is shit. Um, (laughs) Is this a cursing podcast? Yes, it is. is, (laughs) I made sure it's, I I knew people. I figured it's not for kitties. Yeah, I was, uh, I wrote, there was a little box for the whole podcast. Like, is this explicit? I'm like, it's going to be. So (laughs) So go on. Um, yeah, so not shit, shitless. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I just, I just am thrilled that my editor is not a scary person, and and it's not like in movies where where she's. I'm sure some editors are that way, but mine is not. Um, and I think as a writer or as an artist, you tend, to, well, I tend to be at least a very disorganized and neurotic and uh, easily distracted person. <laughs> um so to have someone that can again rein that in but not yell at me for it is brilliant um so i think that was my my preconceived like the editor is going to be this person that like yells at you okay tells you you suck yeah <laughs> okay well the uh what what really stuck out uh to me is and we were talking about it before is that your actual process you're you you can get distracted very easily very this easily. You wrote this book in, in three years, but you said the first draft was done in nine months, right? Like, so it was just, yeah. from what I read, it was like a, like a fever dream, which is funny because I'm pretty sure I knew you during that time and you still somehow were available where I, I saw you. Like, so <laughs> I existed. You existed, yeah. which I can't always say about people who are in my life who don't have that much of a creative pursuit. So what was that? What was that process like of like at least that first nine months of that first draft? Yeah, I think, I mean, I didn't know what it was going to be at that point. So I think that took a lot of the pressure off as well, because it was like something I was just doing, you know, for myself to figure out what is this story? Like, what's it going to look like? Um, And then again, social person, I feel like I need that balance. I need to like get away from the computer and go do other things, um, which is also very hard in this time, because I Mm -hmm. feel like I don't have that balance quite as much. 
as a real quick interjection, what have you been doing mm-hmm. to try and get that as you haven't been a social person? And I know, you know, a lot of your schedule because you're, you know, my wife, Grace's best friend. So uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I have at least a somewhat understanding of your uh, social schedule. So, yeah, if anyone's listening and wondering, how did he get a published author? It's nepotism. That's how I got a published author. <laughs> yes. Uh, 100% awesome nepotism. nepotism. Um, so, yeah, what have you been doing to kind of uh, – supplement that that whole like getting out like besides the times you guys get to go out yeah um been watching a lot of tv actually well re-watching a lot of tv is my thing now which i feel like is an interesting phenomenon of this time right like comfort watching where mm-hmm. you're like i'm not even gonna try anything new i'm just gonna rewatch <laughs> stuff i already like but i feel like that is my like i zone out and it's also like a, a learning experience in a little bit um i think when you re-watch a show you kind of see parts of the storytelling and the elements of that. So I, I like to pretend that it's homework <laughs> and it counts. But yeah, that's been my my go-to lately is just checking out for a few few hours. Okay. All right. That's, I mean, that I, if not physically leaving, at least leaving that headspace of writing. Um, I mean, yeah. for me, I don't know. Uh, for, for me, it's always tough to watch because I get real into that world of whatever I dive into. And then it takes me so far out that it's hard for me to get back in. It feels like there's um, like, there's like a, a momentum that I have when I'm writing and that if I stray away from it too long, it's hard to find that momentum again. Do you happen to have that particular problem or can you just kind of slide right back in? No, that's very true. Actually, I feel like I do have to be careful like what I watch so it doesn't like bleed into what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So if it's like too similar, I won't watch it um which is also problematic because people will be like oh have you seen this thing it's similar to what you're doing and i'm like no i can't <laughs> i can't know so i have to watch like the complete opposite um I, just to be as far away from what i'm doing as possible yeah that's the only uh thing that i can say that i relate to that it would be when i'm going to perform at an open mic or at a show i can't listen to comedy on the way Because then I'm going to start taking their rhythms and the way that they kind of structure a sentence, even though if I have my jokes already written, I could definitely be like, oh, I'm doing this comedian tonight because right before I came there, I decided to put on their album or whatever or listen to their podcast. So that it's but for me, when it comes to like I get so wrapped up in like a fictional world and it's just like. I feel like all my my energy is like, how do they create it? And that's where my creative energy is being siphoned off. So it's it's, it's hard for me true. to come to come back to be like, oh, I have to write my own thing. It's getting stuck in my own world, you know? Yeah. Or I feel inadequate yeah. <laughs> if it's something really great. I'm like, well, I can't do that. That's tough. Actually, that um, there was a there was a quote in my research uh, from because now with the plus side with your book coming out, you've done a, at least a decent amount of interviews. So I was able to to glean some nice information and when you were at the library when you were you you said that you wanted to become a writer when you realized that books aren't magic they don't just appear do you remember like what book and like what made you realize what made you connect to that go oh there's a person behind this oh man so it was i can tell you exactly it was um lynn reed banks is the author and the book is the fairy rebel um which I think she's a, a pretty well-known British author. I don't know if she tracks here, but she did um, The Indian in the Cupboard. Oh, I, I remember that. Fairly, I, yeah. I, I, at least it was a film. Yeah, that's how I know it. 
Uh-huh. So she does a sort of like magical, um, that sort of thing that obviously influences what I do. Yeah. Um, but I had it on like tape, books on tape when I was like, again, six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just listened to it so many times that I think my mom was like, you know, this is like a real human being that like wrote this and like, you know, got me information on like the writer. And I was like, oh, so I could do that. You know, it was it was sort of like discovering an author, I think, for the first time. That's that's really, really interesting because it took me until 29 and a half to realize what like open <laughs> what open my comedy looked like. So mm-hmm. for me, it was like I had no idea. I've only ever seen the end product and didn't realize like like I knew I like I had the the basic and general understanding of like, oh, it's a person, but I don't know where it starts. And then finally actually seeing open my comedy i go oh so that's what it sounds like when it's not polished it's that's what it sounds like right. when, so i was like oh i could do that I, I found out that no i can't do quite that but i could do at least something like that and i can work my right. way into that so when you were five six and you realize oh this is a real person did that like open up a, a whole like idea and world to you that you didn't even realize because that's kind of what it felt like for me yeah definitely i think the first thing I did was I made a book with like card. So I thought like you make a book, you need yes. to actually also produce the book. So of I course. got like a cardboard cover and like did the art and then like wrote the story and like glued it together and like thought that I had to produce a book and like put it on the shelves. That's how it <laughs> Which I guess you, I could do. <laughs> you, I mean, I guess people do that now, but it's the usually self, self-publishing yeah. usually online. <laughs> Um, but that, that is, that is the adult and, uh, present version of what that was. Do you remember <laughs> what the, my, uh, do you remember what that book was? No, I just remember it was on like a, like a tied box, like a box of like tied <laughs> detergent. I remember like folding it inside out and using that as a cover. I remember that very specifically. That's very... The contents. No. <laughs> oh man. What a what a time! You maybe could have brought it back, but during yeah. course, just as a that would have been, that would have been very funny. Um, oh man, that's that that it's 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 funny because it's just I don't know it I don't know why it took me so long personally to like find that like oh this is how comedy works, but it, it's interesting because you had like that focus that went on. Did you take that focus with you your pretty much your entire life? Or I mean, you you've obviously ended up here at you know that that you're a writer but like did you like have that focus like throughout like grade school middle school and and as time went on yes i like i said i always knew i wanted to be a writer to the exclusion of like all other skills um, so i would be like i'm not doing math in math class i'm gonna write because that's what i'm gonna do um to the chagrin of everyone and my report cards and <laughs> my possible future. Um, and it worked out, but like, don't do that. <laughs> Diversify a little bit is my advice to the, all the little kids if listening. You, if, if you had to make, uh, yes, the little kids on this explicit podcast. Um, <laughs> if So that would be your one thing is like diversify, but um, I don't know what, like, so you, I'm just trying to form my question the best way is because yeah. because that's that was that's a very interesting that you went from like okay I'm gonna do this and then you just kept hacking at it I mean you didn't do too terrible in school you went to two you went to a college and then you went to graduate so you didn't like completely total out your your career unless yeah. I'm missing a part of the story <laughs> no I 
I, I was committed to that aspect. Yes. So I went to every college that had writing. Like, I wasn't going to go to the Harvard Medical School. <laughs> like, yeah. they were not going to take me. I, I was very laser focused, um, which is good. I think I was very fortunate to have a dream. I feel like not everyone knows what they want to do Yeah. super uh, early, which is fine. Like, yeah. find what oh, your sure. passion is whenever you find it. You know, I was fortunate enough to find it very, early, early enough on. to to just be single-minded and aggressive about it yeah um, but also i think try things like try different things you know try and fail at things that i mean i did that too <laughs> <laughs> what did, what were some of the things you tried well i um i mean so, so i went to school for screenwriting actually oh okay um, because i got kind of frustrated with writing at one point with writing novels um and just the language i was like i love television um as we've already discussed yes it it felt like a really interesting medium to like tell stories in the visual aspect um tv especially i feel like at that time like 2008 when the writer's strike happened was so i was like that's what i'm gonna do again yeah. it was one of those <laughs> moments where i'm like there are people that do this i'm i can do that while they strike <laughs> um, so well, i went to school for that it's i just like the idea is like i'll go to that I'll try that because no one's working right now. So I can catch <laughs> up. Not by doing the, it. <laughs> I'll catch up by the time they're done. Well, I'll just be in the mix. Like I was here the entire time. Um, that so, was very much the idea. It did not work out. <laughs> <laughs> so did you write any, any screenplays or anything like that? Anything that you at least remember? I did. I wrote, um, I was very into, I still am very into Buffy. So I wrote like a fantasy esque Buffy esque <laughs> screenplay that was like set in hell. <laughs> um and it was about like this half demon and yeah i you know it's still on on deck it could happen one day but and I, I you can't say you know you can't say it won't ever happen yeah but i think um for that tv and, and film are so collaborative that i got again got kind of frustrated with trying to break into that world mm-hmm what was the what was the issue with the collaboration part? Because that's you brought that up. I don't know. Is that the was that the issue because it was too collaborative? Um, I think you just have to prove yourself in a different way. You know, mm -hmm. you have to convince a director and a producer and a studio and actors. Yeah. And so it's I mean, it's still something I want to do. But I yeah. think I definitely stepped back to write the novel because I'm like, this is something I can ostensibly at least create on my own. Um, yeah. And then hopefully someone won't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> that, all, right, all right. So you went, so you walked away from the novel life from a little bit. You, 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 I don't want to say you turned your back, but you definitely like, kind of like what we were saying before, you, you went into a different area. To right. so diversify. What, 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 yes, diversify. Writing in a different way, but yes, diversify yeah. in your writing. <laughs> uh, what brought you back? Was it just the tiredness of the the uh the whole uh screenwriting aspect like you just uh detailed or was there something like you were missing the fact that it was a very singular uh voice when it comes to a novel yeah i think i think i just really love film and and that medium i think i just love storytelling honestly not to be too <laughs> like put a cute button on it but honestly i just love the different ways to tell a story and so i'm always looking for different ways to do that and sort of switch mediums and okay and try out what feels like it works for the for the story i'm trying to tell so i think there's hope there like to get back into 
Yeah. Oh, film and TV I, and all that. I mean, I didn't say you walked away from television or film writing forever. <laughs> it's just that you walked away from what you what your initial thought was like. Oh, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to put out a book. In fact, I'm going to produce my own book with a Tide box. And um, and then you walked away, and then you came back, and then you came right. back, and then so I'm just trying to make sure I I understand and I'm threading the the needle right. So you went to NYU, right? Yeah. And then, so did you go to NYU for like writing in terms of a novel or uh, screenwriting? Uh, screenwriting. Screenwriting. Yes. Okay, uh, that's what. Question. Yeah. So that's <laughs> so then then you went to Columbia for your graduate, correct? My right okay. for uh, novel writing. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Yeah. Then this is that's yeah, that's the thread. <laughs> all right, perfect. I'm just making sure I understand, and also everyone else understands it. <laughs> um, so. Then you you had so you spent a couple of years in Colombia. How many how many, how long was that program? Uh, two years. Two years. Okay, so yeah. you have uh, did you get your your book your thesis book like as like the, you knew this was happening or did you have this idea for your novel uh, Conjure Woman already in your head? So Conjure Woman was my thesis at Columbia, um, and the requirement there is sort of. A, something like 100 pages, 150 pages mm -hmm. of whatever you sort of accomplished <laughs> in the program, which I did not feel confidently that I had accomplished anything of use until like the very end. And again, this sort of like fever dream of writing this story happened where I'm like, okay, I'm going to explore this midwife in this time period. Um, and that was at like the very end of the program that I finally sort of locked onto what I wanted to write. And oh. so... So, I wrote that hundred pages for my thesis. Yeah. Okay, okay. The so, first. so, uh, so you have you you knew that you had to write hundred and fifty pages of, of for this thesis, and so you have this. So, in again, in my uh, research, which I've realized and I've said it before, research and stalking are the same side of a coin. You just figure out they which are. side you're on. I feel like I feel like I've learned a lot about you. I'm like, you know, I've known her for about a decade at this point, and I feel like I've learned <laughs> so much in the last like week and a half of like making sure that I had everything down. Uh but so you watched a uh, a YouTube video of the of like the uh uh, what's it called? Brooklyn Brownstone, Kitty Pool Midwife. I'm gonna call it right now. Yes, I like it. That was probably the title of the YouTube video. <laughs> it was the clickbait. So you, so you watched this video, and you saw that this, in in a very modern context of a YouTube video, this thing that I'm assuming has been happening since the beginning of humanity is just a woman helping another woman bring a child into the world, and then you, Absolutely. and then you took that idea. And then you somehow spun it into a a story of this woman in Reconstruction era uh, American South, not South America, as I wrote it down the first time. Uh, I always say that it's <laughs> funny. I do that as well. <laughs> I just was like South America is like nope. <laughs> <laughs> the South of the America that uh, is this one. <laughs> so, in in one particular form of comedy that I do, uh, improv comedy, there's a. Um, uh, what's a, a concept called A to C where you take one idea and then you kind of like think of the associating word and then you take the word that associates from the second word with a third word. So A, B, and C. You, you should go from A to C. For me, it seems like you went A to at least G or something in the middle. Yeah. How, did, how, was, how was that process of going, oh, okay, this is a very interesting thing that's been happening forever, but how did you land on your Reconstruction era 
uh, American South. Yeah, I feel like A to G is a very good metaphor because that is how my brain works and it is a problem because I have to get everybody else <laughs> through all the other letters um, <laughs> logically and that's usually the problem. But yeah, I think for me what stood out about that video is is precisely what you say is sort of the like timelessness of um, a baby being born and how it's such a huge experience for the mother. Um, and yet it's something that happens every day over and over all the time. And it's the most normal, boring thing. And yet it's a miracle. Um, and so I, I knew that I was curious about the reconstruction era, sort of on top of that. Um, it was a time period that I hadn't heard a lot about that I didn't really understand. You hear about the end of slavery, but you never really think about what does that transition look like? Um, so that was definitely the two <clears throat> excuse me, the two concepts that I paired together. Um, and then the last sort of thing that I threw into the mix was this idea of like a baby with black eyes, right? So the baby is born and there's something sinister about it, which I think is sort of a familiar yeah. trope in, <laughs> in horror novels and gothic fiction. Um, so it was just kind of putting those, those three elements together, uh, the time period, the midwife and the creepy baby and, and sort of shaking it up and seeing what fell out. And I think that was the most exciting part where the yeah. fever dream comes from is that <laughs> weird <laughs> making that all work. So you had to write 150 pages of that, but you wrote it in, in a nine month. Was the was that first draft 150 pages that that just that thesis or did you take did you submit what you had and go, I'm going to continue working this out? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the first I mean, the book as it is published is in a completely different order mm -hmm. um, now because that was a big part of the editing process was sort of moving around the different stories. Um, but the first sort of 150 pages that I wrote did end up becoming my thesis and did end up being a large part of the book, which is very something I'm proud of that, that it sort of retained the original uh, idea. The, that spirit of it? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So in that first nine months, uh, and you're even alluding to it now, you kind of go into what you refer to as a method acting approach to your writing, where you yeah. just like you kind of sub submerge yourself in all of the information that you want to bring into the book. Did you did you approach that during the, the edits as well? Did you have to kind of go back into that when you're now working with an editor or... Yeah, so definitely working with an editor, I had to sort of come up with different scenes and that there were sort of ideas that I didn't get to touch on the first time around. So I'm like, okay, let me bring back in um, whatever this aspect of history, um, this detail about the Civil War. Let me sort of re-envision this into a storyline. So yeah, there was definitely sort of trying to get back in that headspace. I don't think I ever quite got as dreamlike and, and stress-free <laughs> as the first draft, which I think is also part of the process. Well, yeah, um, I, I think yeah, because you have to report back to someone. I think that would be hard exactly. to, to be There's in like some... this like hazy and like half awake state to be like, all right, let's, I can imagine that in your nine months of just, you know, fever dreaming this whole process and this whole thesis out that it would have probably been hard to explain to other people what you were doing yeah yeah i didn't know at all what i was doing and and so editing has a lot more accountability and it demands that you be a little bit more responsible <laughs> so is that 
so is that a i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt i just mm. it's just something that clicked to me so is that just a a um just a part of the novel experience that you've had where it, there is a more of this free flow kind of period followed by a more kind of goal oriented period to kind of accomplish some things yeah yeah i definitely think that's my my process i don't know if all writers kind of have that experience but there's the quote and i'm gonna get it backwards because i always do but it's like <laughs> write drunk edit sober um okay. which is not what i do because i usually drink <laughs> while i'm editing because editing is stressful but <laughs> <laughs> but the concept is there that you sort of have a, a more rigorous sort of headspace when you're editing versus writing is just a sort of drunk reeling around um and i definitely have that experience yeah, yeah, because I've noticed that even in my own writing, there's a time where it's more, oh, I have this concept and this idea, and I just need to kind of like put it all together. And there's other times where I'm like, I just need a new joke. How can I just like kind of write something about where I had nothing in mind and I have different, more like this is a goal oriented way, but that somehow leads me into sometimes it'll lead me into a more creative headspace do you ever have that where an edit will kind of spin off some new ideas and you're more in that quote-unquote fever dream kind of writing aspect yeah definitely and i also think sometimes the pressure of having something do actually helps me so like having a deadline will make me write and i'm usually like oh this is gonna be terrible and then it actually results in <laughs> something pretty amazing just because i'm like i have to do this did, did um Oh, I'm sorry. Did you what? Uh, so, is there anything in the book that you can point to without giving away too much spoilers? Because I don't want to. If anyone hasn't read the book, and I'm still in the process of reading it, so please don't actually spoil the last quarter of the book. Um, <laughs> and uh, everyone does. <laughs> well, everyone does, but I mean, in the book, just those characters. <laughs> eventually. eventually. Um, is there anything that you can think of where you're like, "Oh, this is going to be terrible," but it ended up being a pretty big part of the book? Yeah, let me think, because I feel like I was thinking about this the other day. Um, there's a lot of sort of like sequences, like there's um, sort of these, there'll be like a party or an event um, that I'm like, okay, I have to write the scene where they're in a ballroom, right? There's mm -hmm. like parameters and those scenes tend to be more difficult for me, I think. Um, so there's a scene in the ballroom that I knew sort of what, what, uh, sort of blocks I wanted to hit um, and that always kind of stresses me out but it, it actually turned out one of the areas that I'm most proud of in the book despite me kind of knowing that I had to get to these bullet points that's it it's it's funny how I don't know the I guess the romantic ideal like you said is like writing out a hundred pay like isn't it Jack Car uh, Kerouac who like s supposedly sat down and wrote his entire fucking book in like one sitting like am I am I I feel like I hear that a lot and I'm like, how I yeah. want this. <laughs> I, I, I don't know at all a novel process and I don't know. And I can only speak for my particular, but that sounds like a load of bullshit to my, just like, it seems like a, a fun, like, Oh man, he sat down, wrote his whole thing. I don't know. It always seems funny to me when, when I'm, when I'm writing and it's just like, okay, I, I don't, I didn't intend for this, this joke to go this way, but, I, I'm now more proud of it than the initial thought that got me there. Yeah, it's definitely a blend of both, right? It's like you got to plan a little bit and <laughs> yeah, you gotta... it's going to take some time, but there's also something in the sort of discovery of the sort of accidental happy accidents. I, I, I like that where you kind of – it the, the quote that kind of came to me, I don't know if it's a quote or just a thought, 
who knows <laughs> who knows when you know where where inspiration comes from but it's like you plan what you're going to write sometime but make sure you leave room for inspiration i guess would be the best Ew. way i know that's I, I that came into my head i was like that doesn't sound like me i don't know if that's just something that i'm remembering half remembering i'm not going to take credit for that whatsoever i feel like there's ben franklin said that because ben franklin said everything or yes. oscar wilde but, <laughs> yeah. but those are the two better. people who have said everything it is either ben franklin or oscar wilde or it was no one it's nobody <laughs> but you said it better so. oh i appreciate it yeah um <laughs> so and so one of the things you said that wasn't something that you initially planned on but you kind of came upon it in edits was the actual narrative structure structure of the book which is a very interesting the way that i describe it is like you're kind of going through a timeline where you meet the main character rue but then you go into the past to kind of give context to what you just saw and what's about to come am i misrepresenting that at all or does that sound somewhat no, right that's spot on yeah i think i think it what I realized after writing all of that and then putting it all together was th that's sort of how you meet people. Um, yeah. Right. You meet them and you know something about them from that encounter, but then they're like, and when I was five, I fell out of a tree and that like totally changes how you view them. Yeah. Um, and so I think once I kind of locked onto that was what interested me about the story uh, that sort of more intentionally became the structure was that sort of going back and, and seeing the past and flashing forward and her fears and all of that. Yeah. How did you, how did you get to that? Um, by accident. Really? <laughs> by happy accident. Really? I, yeah. I think it was out of necessity. Um, I think just trying to paint a, a full picture of the character. Um, I think also I wanted to stay in the reconstruction era and this is something that you've probably seen in your research, but the, that I really originally thought it was going to be in, the, in this 10-year period. Um, and then I was like, okay, how can you tell about the end of the Civil War without explaining the Civil War? And then how can you explain the Civil War without explaining slavery? And then, yeah. so it became this thing where it was like, all right, these two things are, are tightly intertwined and that's the way that I'm going to tell the story. So the story kind of dictated the, the structure almost. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Isn't that interesting? Because sometimes when it comes to, again, the only thing that I know how I'm writing would be, um, actually, hold on. Alexa, stop. <laughs> the, the joys of recording at home is that you forget that sometimes you set an alarm to, hold on. Alexa, stop. Okay. I think Alexa wants to join it. Oh, for sure. 100%. <laughs> she is recording this and we'll put out the podcast before I get it edited. <laughs> and we'll be much better than whatever I do. Um, so I'm just going to take a quick. Now I know that's where I have to edit this out. Um, nice. And um, so what I've noticed with my own jokes is sometimes the the joke structure or however I'm going to explain is based on the content or how I want to explain the joke. And it's very interesting when the art kind of presents that to you where you're like, am I even writing this or is this just something that kind of has always existed, but I'm just the first person who happened upon it, you know? 
Yeah, that's the best part when sort of things click together. Like in the book, there's a lot of folklore and there's a lot of medicine. And I'm like, oh, these things connect. Brilliant. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm the first person to realize that because I'm a genius. (laughs) And that's going to dictate how I tell this story. Um, Yeah, I love when that happens. That sort of like light bulb moment. Where where almost, again, it's just the the, the quote I've heard is that sometimes the, the words are just flowing through you as opposed to you writing the words. Yeah, that's the best. And that's, again, that that dreamlike state that I aspire to. And sometimes you don't get there, too. Sometimes, yeah. again, you're on deadline and you're like, you know what, I just got to. <laughs> and it still comes out, but it's nice to be in that sort of hazy. Yeah, everything's working out where where, you where you're just there. kind of like everything makes sense. You're Neo in the Matrix where you could just see everything and you can understand how everything moves. And you're like, yes. I can just and. Yeah, is there in in your process of your current book that you're working on has has there been times where you're you realize you're in it and it's just like, "Oh, this is this is perfect. This is exactly what I want right now." Yeah, rarely. <laughs> but yeah, every now and then I'll have a moment where I'm like, "I'm doing it." <laughs> Are, are you afraid if you analyze it in that moment too much, you'll be out of it because I worry about yeah. that sometimes. I think it's a little bit like riding a bike in and not in the way that people are like i'm riding a bike but like when you're like i'm just pedaling and i'm not falling over and you're like (laughs) i don't know how this is working but i'm just gonna keep doing it um i feel like i get into that state where i'm like okay the pedaling is working keep pedaling keep pedaling (laughs) um with the um I'm, i'm very curious because you know for me a joke is a kind of a for at least where I'm currently at, like a joke is a very ever evolving thing where I can always add something to it and like remove something or just it change it almost fundamentally to the point where it might not even be recognized as the joke I initially started off. How was ending the novel? I mean, you wrote a first draft, but then you had a bunch of edits and then you changed the narrative structure. What was that feeling of like, this is done? Like, what was was there relief? Was there stress even more because you're like, it's done and I can't touch it? Yeah, I think I think it felt done when it was just awful. Like I didn't want anything to do with it anymore. <laughs> That's how I knew it was completely done. And now <laughs> having the space of about two years since I finished it, um, I'm happy with it. I don't think there's anything I want to change. Um, and I get at least the satisfaction of knowing that I'm, you know, an artist and I get to write another book. And if I didn't say it before, I can say it in a different way now. Um but I think that was an important part of knowing it was done. It was just being like, "This is it, no more." I've 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 heard I've heard people in uh, my particular field of content just like I need to record this joke and put it out somewhere because I am done telling it. I can't. Yeah. I, like I can't even like the, I've heard just people going like, "I if I don't get it out, it's just never going to get recorded and it's going to be lost to time." So <laughs> it sounds very similar. Just it's it's funny to see how creative people across different fields can feel the same. Like, I'm just done. Like, I can't do this anymore. You have fatigue is a very important part of the artistic process. I mean, I guess like anything else, it's your body telling you, like, you you have to stop. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like exercising. I wouldn't know personally, but I'm <laughs> sure if you run a marathon or something like that, you're going to get to the end. So you went from two years uh, from finishing the book to having it released, how did you have like at the end? Were you already ta- in talks with the publisher, or d- were you still looking at the end of that two years? 
was I still looking for like someone to put out to someone to put out the book? Oh no! So the the process of the production of the book um, took about two years from me. No, maybe not two years. Like a year and a half from me handing in the finished product Mm -hmm. to it actually being on shelves. Just the act of printing a book takes an extraordinarily long time. Um, So, so in that way, I sort of had finished it. I hadn't like looked at it in a long time. And then it was like, and surprise, it's now on bookshelves um, during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to, did you get a chance to see it? Cause I, I got to see it once when actually I went to go pick up uh, the golden girls board games that I bought. Um, Yes. Oh, I remember that. Yes. (laughs) Yes, you, en- you you got to enjoy it before I even got to play it. Um, <laughs> but I picked it up and I saw that it was like had a nice display in the Clark, um, you know, Barnes and Nobles, you know, uh, Barnes and Noble. I say Barnes and Nobles and I'm like, I I do it too. Yeah, it's, <laughs> which it's is just, terrible. It just rolls off the tongue. Um, so well, how was that? I know it was it, it was a little bittersweet because you couldn't physically be there for a while to see it. But was it did it still feel nice to have that? Yeah, it was wild. I only saw it once. Same kind of thing. I saw it in the New Brunswick Barnes Noble. (laughs) Um, Right when that sort of all opened up again. And then, you know, I went in with like my mask on and I was like, nobody knows it's me. I'm going to go like (laughs) secretly look at my book in cognito. Um, So that was amazing. But yeah, I've only seen it once. I just haven't been yeah. in a bookstore yeah. physically. Yeah, I can't imagine why. Um, but <laughs> but when it came to actually finding a publisher, because you got through uh, Penguin through America, right? And yeah, Penguin Random House in America and um, Harper Collins Fourth Estate in the UK. So how was that process finding someone like finding you know a company and a relatively the one of the bigger companies you know to actually publish your book what was that process like? Yeah, so I had a really amazing agent, um, and just the the writing process or the pitching a book process is just so strange and still foreign to me despite having done it. And so it's really important to have an amazing agent. Um, who kind of can guide you through who to send it to. And I feel like she was very instrumental in figuring out what editor would sort of respond to it um, and get the vision. And so she, well, together we kind of put together a list. um, And the agent I got through um, school and a a few happy coincidences where I ran into her at a few different places. (laughs) And I was like, okay, this is destiny. Um, So yeah, it was a lot of timing and being in the right place at the right time and trusting people in the industry who know what they're doing to guide you <laughs> so it's just just another collaborator in your process essentially yes an agent an editor they're all yeah. on on the train with you yeah do you have uh do you have any other collaborators that aren't like industry people that help you with your writing or is it very singularly focused um i have a pretty amazing writing group from columbia some friends that i have from columbia and we all sort of get together every week or every other week and and talk about what we're trying to do and mm-hmm. then we talk about books and then we talk about like two stupid tv shows of and, course <laughs> and then we talk about politics and we scream and and it devolves but it's just <laughs> nice <laughs> i mean they help me with the, my writing but i also feel like they're just in the process with me so i feel like that's oh, 
Yeah, I mean, because it, it it's not always about the actual act of writing. It's just sometimes letting, like, having someone else hold an emotional burden for you sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. They're yeah. like, I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. They're like, you'll probably figure it out or not. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. <laughs> has, has that ever, like, affected writing where you just, like, maybe got a line or something from them? Or... Um, yeah, I think the reason that we all kind of clicked in school is because we do have very similar um, styles and interests and witchy women is a big <laughs> part of the movement. And so I think we we borrow from each other a little bit. So that's fun to see. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because as as I've been getting further and further along and what I've been doing, I've been like, oh, I really should find, uh, you know, a collaborator. And I've been I've been like. I had a conversation with an earlier guest who's like, yeah, because he has someone who he bounces off a lot of ideas. And I think hearing something like you have with that writer's group, you know, you not only do you have one, you have a couple people, right? Like three or four or five. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, there's three of us all together. Okay. Okay. And then I have a couple other writers that I, every now and then we get together too. But yeah. yeah solidly. Yeah. I think it's important because it helps you, like we were saying before, actually physically get out of that headspace or at least even get out of that like physical space and it helps you maybe like leave it for a second and then even then coming back and talking to you about do you think i'm just the, the the question i'm really trying to get to is you you obviously believe collaborators are a key important part of your process yeah i think um yeah i think it goes back to what we were saying like early on in the conversation is that it's about communicating with people right entertaining and and <laughs> making people understand what you're trying to say and so i think if you don't have anyone during the process who's like what are you saying um you <laughs> kind of get lost in the in the sauce as it were um, <laughs> where it's just nice to sort of have these these human interactions these people that are like okay i see the story you're trying to tell um i get the message that you're trying to send or you're not sending it go back try again all right. Um, I don't think I have anything else that I'd never, there's maybe one, do you have, uh, I guess, no, I guess we kind of talked about, it. I was going to say, do you have any old projects that you might want to revive, but it sounds like you do your, your hell. What, what was, explain it again one more time. The, the, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, uh, pilot, it was a TV pilot actually for a half demon, um, girl from hell who was like tasked with, guarding something and she like <laughs> has to enter the earth realm every now and then she's like these assholes because she's a half demon and she has lots of witty remarks and she does karate yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you ever do you ever look at that and be like maybe i'll try to work on that as a as a distraction or you just right now so... honestly no <laughs> no <laughs> maybe one day now that you've reminded me about it but it as you can tell, it's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> no, well, I mean, you know, there's always there's always things that we can be embarrassed about that we create, but <laughs> sometimes we just kind of have to own it, you know. Yeah, I'm owning it for yeah. sure. Half demons for life. Half demons for life. Um, besides, um, besides the project that you're currently working on with your first draft, is there anything else kind of like sitting in like the back burner that you're that you have like maybe an idea for, or is it just right now you're singularly focused on this? Yeah, I have a third novel in the works that I keep wanting to work on and I'm like, no, focus, <laughs> um, which I also think is an important part of the process is having something else <laughs> that I want to do to get me through those days. Mm -hmm. Did you write anything down about it or is it just 
just an idea in your head at the moment. It's an idea in my head. There are aliens. I can't say that. <laughs> I wasn't trying to pull anything out of you, but I do appreciate the exclusive on that. I'll give you an exclusive <laughs> tidbit. There will be aliens. Oh, beautiful. Um, so, all right. I just want to, I want to say thank you for, for coming on. Also, where can we find you and like a Twitter or, or anything like that? Yeah. So Twitter at Afia Takra, Instagram at Afia Takra, um, bookstores everywhere, yeah. Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Nobles. Um, but yeah, Instagram's my main, I like Instagram. That, Twitter that, makes me angry. Yeah. Yeah. I try. I just, I just tweet jokes out from my, Twitter right now. I don't really follow yeah. the one besides comedian. I don't look at anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Instagram's a happy place. Yeah. So, no one's um, at me there. Well, and then I guess uh, one question I guess I have to ask that would be interviewee um, physical or digital for books? Oh, uh, you know what? I go back and forth. Um, like I literally purposefully alternate. So mm -hmm. I'll read like the ebook and then I'll be like, all right, time to read a paperback but i lean towards hardcover paperback just old school i mean <laughs> i mean your book is is gorgeous if if anyone has not seen it look it up it's a and and now and i finally got to the part where the cover actually is is part of the plot and i was like oh that makes sense not only it's, yeah it's it's i'm like oh wow so the, it wasn't just like a conceptual part it was actually a a physical part of the book yeah so it was an actual image yes. yeah yeah I'm, I'm i'm like about 100 pages out from finishing it and i'm gonna do my best to finish it tonight i was trying to finish before today but just the cards didn't play out right it gets wild in the last 100 pages so oh good thank <laughs> you i'm very that. very excited not to fall asleep tonight yep <laughs> so afia thank you very much for being on i really do appreciate it thank you for having me this is fun